Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. Hi there, and you're very welcome to Tech Radio with all the ladies in tech from across Ireland and around the world. Whatever way you got our show today, downloading from our website at techcentral.ie, using a smartphone podcast app, or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio One Extra. Thank you so much for downloading and taking a listen into our little conversation today. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Joining me is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. And this week, there is really kind of only one story, and that is Mobile World Congress, which has been happening all week in Barcelona. Lots of interesting stuff in relation to 5G and virtual reality, which we'll get to in a few minutes' time. But Niall, I suppose we better get uh, with the big phone launches. Do you want to talk about Samsung first or last? Uh, well, it's it's kind of for me. It's just another phone launch, but for you, it's like a lifestyle choice or something like that. I mean, you're 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 the Samsung guy, to, and and you've had a look at the S7 and the S7 Edge, which yeah. are which are the two new flagship phones. Yeah. Um, now, when the S6 Edge came out, what was your reaction to that? I think you were kind of like, "This is a bit gimmicky. It'll never last." Were you? No, uh, I was very disappointed in it actually because uh, they did away with the SD card and the micro SD card for the extra memory and they did away with the removable battery and with the S7 I'm delighted to see the return of the uh, uh, the removable memory which I think is brilliant uh, but we're still in the realms of not being able to replace the battery. Yeah and I think what's what's interesting and similar about the um, S6 7 I really do, do can we just say S7 and assume we're talking about the two together because yes. other than aesthetics and the screen size there's not really a lot between them is there and and it, they both play to the same gallery well, so it's kind do you know what? I've, I, every time I have the edge in my hand, it annoys the hell out of me with this because it literally goes to the edge. You know, it's nice having a screen that goes to like to the bevel, do you know? But mm. actually having the screen as part of the bevel, particularly when that's a touch screen, I just find it very annoying. Um, and the other thing that I think was very interesting with a lot of the phones uh, was that the, the S7 came out. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a little better than the S6. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people, iPhone uh, or Apple are finding out with the iPhone because people are kind of going, yeah, it's a bit better than the other one. You know, <laughs> nothing's well, exciting th- us in mobile phone world anymore, is it? Well, it's it's kind of gone to be a very interesting show because uh, mobile world congress, not us. I mean, we're always awesome, but um, when it comes to sort of figuring out what the trends are, it's it's not um, CES anymore. It's, it's mobile world congress mm-hmm. because the world has gone mobile and everything is sort of starting at that mobile. Base, uh, mm. where CES is just this loud blast of absolutely everything. Um, so we get a much more refined view of what's going on. For me, what I find interesting about the uh, the S7 in, in both its versions is uh, not so much the interest in, you know, we've improved the audio quality or, you know, we've improved the, the internal memory or the processor, uh, although sort of those, those things have happened. But well, what they're interested in pushing is the idea that, look, we've got a wonderful GPU here. The chips are 64% faster than the S6. You can run 3D games at 60 frames per second. You can watch 4K video. You can play. Uh, you can play games, although not. A, you can play 4K games, but not at 60 frames per second. You have to dial it down a little bit. But they've got a direct access button for that kind of thing. So the move has gone away from you know the very basics of call quality and messaging. 
uh, we're all the way up to graphics. And the reason that we're up to graphics is because you know for a fact that they don't want you walking out of your phone shop with just uh, an S7. They want you with a Gear VR in your hands at the same time. Now, no, I, d- I actually don't think so. I think the way, I think we're in a halfway shop at the moment with smartphones in general in that what they want you to have is, because the, these things are becoming more and more like, they are very powerful computers in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think the transfer where we're going to is where these computers in your pocket will then connect with a larger screen somewhere. And you will use the phone as your main source for your photos, for your movies, for your entertainment. And when you want to sit back and watch a movie, you won't watch it on the phone. You'll just, yeah, show that on the telly. Boom, done. Ah, now, uh, we have a few use cases where this has actually happened. Do you remember the, oh, goodness, I think it was Asus made them a couple of years ago uh, when smartphones are just coming out and getting popular. We saw this thing called the Asus Pad Phone. Do you remember? Yes, I do. And it was kind of like a, a, a phablet or a tablet with a mobile phone slot. Stuck into it. And it worked <laughs> off that exact principle that, you know, you have yeah, all I'd, the computing I'd, power and, and what have you. And that, that worked. It never took off. Then two years ago, Linux uh, tried it with a, a phone and it was like, put the phone in the cradle. Mm. Cradle connects up to your, your computer. And, and there you go. And this year... We have actually had that device again with the HP Elite X3, which is a Windows 10 phone that connects by a USB-C port to a, to a regular monitor. You know, we, we are seeing that model um, and we're going to be seeing a, a lot more of it, I think. Um, and, and the specs on the um the, the HP uh, Elite X3, they're pretty, they're pretty good. Now, this is, it's based on a, a business audience, but I mean, it's got 5.9 inch screen display, 25, 60 times 1440 pixel um, um, resolution, Gorilla Glass. I mean, this is, you know, that's, that's quality stuff. You have 64 gigs internal storage and 60 megapixel rear, rear camera. This is a phone that you would actually go out and buy off your own bat, yeah. uh, but for the fact that it's running Windows. Now, this, but for the fact it's running Windows. My dear, <laughs> my dear chap, all right, uh, if you were able to plug that phone into a keyboard and a monitor and then mm-hmm. use it as you would your regular computer, and then when you want to go out, you just unplug it and stick it in your pocket. Yeah. And then off you go. And then when you get home, you go, all right, I've had enough work. I want to watch the latest, bleh, whatever, James Bond movie or something like that. Mm. And you do that on your phone and I want you to cast that onto uh, my big screen. Off you go. That's where smartphones are going. Yeah, I think that's the dream, all right. If somebody said to me, your next iPhone will be able to do all that, I'd be like, why would I bother getting a laptop? Now, uh, so th- that's where we think where the future is going. The Samsung or the Galaxy S7 is kind of like, whatever. Um, what about the LG? What do you think of the LG G5? Because they seem to be doing all the things that Samsung have stopped doing. Uh, oh, well, that's that's an interesting way to frame it. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, the, uh, the G5 is... Uh, I don't want to say it's the anti-S7, um, <laughs> but it's a much more flexible device. And I'm not talking physically, although I, I think they are made out of slightly different materials. Um, again, it's it's their flagship phone. It's running Android 6.0 Marshmallow, 5.3 inch uh, screen. Um, but one thing that I do find very cool about it is that where the S7 is, is sealed off, except for its um, its memory slot now, um, the, the G5 is a modular phone. So you can decide whether you want a, a better camera, you can swap that out. Or you can decide you want better sound, you can swap that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can, you can customise your hardware to go with um, your actual 
you know, pre- preferences. Exactly. And you see, uh, you, you, you're giving it, or sorry, not you're giving it, you're saying that I am a Samsung fanboy, which I am, but I'm way more interested in that LG G5. Well, yeah, and, and I can certainly see why. Um, well, one thing that's quite interesting uh, by its absence this year and absence for quite a while, actually, is Google's Project Ara. I don't know if you remember this. Um, this was Google's attempt at a modular phone. And you could s- select things down to a very granular level. You could go, OK, this processor, this camera, you know, these speakers. And yet here LG have beaten them to market with um, largely the same idea, but not as flexible. So I can't I can't see myself walking into a shop and going, do you know what? I really want the hi-fi sound for my phone. <laughs> I, I can't see that happening. But if, if somebody said, you know, you've got the option of a good phone, mm. uh, sorry, of a good camera, and, uh, you know, you'll pay full whack, or, you know, if you don't take mm. that many pictures, maybe you prefer a DSLR, you can go for a slightly cheaper camera and we'll knock a little bit off the price of the phone. I, th- I think there's certainly something attractive in that. Um, and uh, but what's kind of kind of interesting is this little feature that they've been pushing is the idea of the screen uh, and the phone being always on. So you, you don't you don't have to go through the the horror of pressing the button to get it out of standby mode. The phone is always on, um, and they say it doesn't drain the battery so much. I. I going to file that under believe it when I see it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it does give you sort of a screensaver showing you the, the time and, and all whatnot. But the, the phone is on, fully running in the background. Listen, as, as brilliant as the LG uh, G5 is and the Samsung S7 as well, I mean, they're both €600 Euro and up. What about the Chinese phone, the, the Mi, Mi 5, My 5? Which, which way do you pronounce it? I'm going to say My 5. And My this 5, is Xiaomi, okay. Which we- is a, um, it's a, a Chinese sort of uh, company. I guess you put them... I guess they're very popular over there. I, I would have put them on the same level as Alcatel or something like that over here because it, it, it is a premium package in a, a very small price point, really. Uh, the uh, My 5, 5.1-inch screen, 16-megapixel camera, 128 gigabits of storage, gigabytes of storage. If you were to push, you know, a Sony on that, how much would you expect to pay? Well, the, the, this is my point. Like, you, you'd be up there with what LG are looking for. You'd be up there with what the S7 are looking for. These guys are looking for half the price. About 300 they are. Yeah, well, they're they're saying three hundred and five, three three hundred odd dollars. So we'd say four hundred euro. That is still well below what you're going to pay uh-huh. for a, uh-huh. an S seven. And this is for uh, a phone. It's got three gigs of RAM and thirty two gigs of storage. I mean, for the price, you'd be you'd be kind of silly not to. That, I think this is what we're going to see on the sort of the. Um, uh, so, so you've decided you want a smartphone section of the shop, you know? <laughs> yes, but that's but, not to say but it's the bad thing is, at all. No, 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 what, what impresses me about it is, I mean, there's lots of like, you know, cheap, nasty smartphones and they're, they're only 100 quid or only 150 quid and they really are bricks, you know, nobody should be, they should be allowed to sell them. Um, but this is a half decent phone at a, you know, I think quite a decent price. Yeah, I think so. It's one to watch. Listen, what else was going on at um, uh, Mobile World Congress? Virtual reality is a little uh, a little baby of ours, and there were some uh, good little virtual reality stories coming out of Barcelona. 
There were actually. It's one of the funny things that again it it speaks to where MWC is now. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg showed up to deliver uh, an address. Um, the Facebook had a keynote address for some reason at Mobile World Congress, and it was all about virtual reality. Uh, and Mark Zuckerberg was wandering through a crowd full of people with Gear VRs, so it was very kind of surreal looking. Um, and he sort of laid out Facebook's vision for VRs um, because you know Facebook owns Oculus. They spent one and a half billion dollars acquiring Oculus uh, last year, year before, Re- recent enough. And uh, he was sort of laying out his future, that uh, his vision that virtual reality is going to become central to the Facebook experience. So I don't know if he means, you know, we're going to be having Skype calls and feel like your friends are actually mm. in the room with you, or if you're going to have, you know, Hangouts like maybe Google Hangouts are now only. Again, you'll have that sense of space or, or shared space or something like that. Uh, or maybe that you'll just be, you know, using virtual reality as uh, kind of enjoying entertainment and having your Facebook feed beside you all the time, maybe like something on Periscope, the way that looks. Well, um, the, the first thing that I think of is uh, all of the people, imagine all of the people that you know on Facebook and whose posts you see every day. Now imagine all those people being even closer to you in virtual reality. It's like, that, that's a nightmare. Well, that's, that's not a that's, vision. That's, that's a nightmare of the future yeah it is it is kind of the official version of what facebook seemed to be pushing uh i i know for sure that i am quite happy with my mm. distance uh an awful lot of the time you don't want to be all up in everybody's faces exactly. but, uh, you know what the one good thing about facebook is that you can keep in touch with people that you only kind of half care about you know that kind of that's it yeah <laughs> so something happens you just go like there yeah. my there's no virtual done. about that reality that's how it is um it listen is. one of the things we were talking about was the Galaxy S7 uh, in Ireland. Some some of the mobile operators are doing a deal where you'll get the uh, the Samsung VR uh, headset with it for free. Um, we've been looking at the Samsung uh, headset and would love to play with it. It's only 200 quid for goodness sake. Um, but it'll only work with the latest model. So you're going to need like, a, you know, the Note 5 or the Samsung Galaxy 6 or indeed the Samsung Galaxy 7 in order to make it work. We did get some pricing though on proper virtual reality headsets. Uh, the Oculus Rift and the uh, HTC Vive. Yeah, we do. And uh, gosh, you'd be saving your pennies uh, because not only do you have to get uh, the headset, you have to make sure that your computer can actually run this stuff as well because you're going to need some fairly, you're going to need a fair bit of RAM and some fairly high-end graphics as well, mm-hmm. uh, graphics cards. So if you want an Oculus Rift, uh, now this is without the hand controllers, so this is just the headset itself, you'll be spending $599. So you can imagine we're going to get done over on the exchange rate again and probably end up paying one for one. Um, And if you want the uh, much more uh, complete package of the HTC Vive, I say that in that it comes with two hand controllers and two room sensors. So it will tell you where you're standing in relation to the room. So the Vive is much more of a stand up and explore your environment. The the Rift is still very much a you're sitting at your PC and looking around kind of experience Mm. for the moment. Uh, And the Vive is going to be $799. I know Asus are doing a deal. um, Oculus on their website, they have a section devoted to PCs that are being released with Oculus bundled with it. Um, so you're looking at, uh, in the States, I think they're starting at like $1,500. These would be machines by Dell, Alienware, uh, which is owned by Dell, of course, and uh, Asus. 
again. And some of them come bundled with the with the Rift. Some of them don't, mm. uh, but say they're compatible. Was there any kind of a word, and I'd imagine there, there hasn't been, uh, about what kind of software, what you'll actually be able to do with it? I mean, the, the reason I ask is that the, the Samsung I've played around with, and it's amazing. It's fantastic. If you have an S6 or an S7 or one of the Note 5s or whatever, and you're able to get one of these headsets for 200 quid, Get one. You will get at least a work a week's worth of a, a crack out of it. Um, but that's the problem. You'll get a week's worth of crack about it. The, the software isn't there. The applications aren't there to do anything like really seriously with it. Is, is there any sign of that for the Oculus Rift or the HTC? Uh, well, very interesting that you asked me that question, Dusty. Um, no, there's a couple of things that uh, are going to fall in place to make developing VR apps much more accessible to people. One is uh, Arm have released a, a software development kit called Mali, mm. which is there to help people develop their own VR applications and experiences and games, which is very cool. Um, also central to developing any VR sort of real world experience, whether you're recording an event that happened um, or, you know, say family event or you've got to a match or something like that, you need a 360 degree view. So we are starting to see 360 degree cameras come on stream. There was one from Panasonic this year and there was one from Samsung. Uh, so they are getting out into the market. So we're, it's not going to be this year, but that said, um, there are going to be a few games coming out with, uh, with uh, the Vive and the Rift. Uh, but we'll know a bit more when it comes to Games Developer Conference or yeah. E3 or this is, maybe even Seabish. This is the kind of thing where you, we, we've seen it in science fiction movies over the years and now it's actually starting to like, you know, happen. Um, but we know that in 10 years time, it's going to be just like a, an everyday thing. Pretty much, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's good. Uh, now, speaking of things that are going to happen and probably a lot quicker, we're starting to talk about 4... No, not 4G. We have 4G. 5G already. Now, 5G works significantly differently for mobile phones. How, how do they make... 5G even better than 4G. Well, what's interesting about 5G is that, well, there's a couple of interesting things about it. I mean, whenever you come up with a, a new broadcast standard, be it DTT or um, DAB or, you know, any other standard, there needs to be international agreement on it. And it can be a very slow progress process, as you know, because it's not just down to the technology being good, it's down to, to um, various vested interests and there's a lot of politics involved. And you can, you can tell me all about this stuff. I mean, when when um, we uh, when Servio went with MPEG-4 instead of uh, MPEG-2 like they have in the UK, it wasn't an Irish decision. It was it was a European decision, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was an Irish decision. It was very much an Irish decision, but it was based on the fact that most of Europe had gone for uh, MPEG-4 and it was only the UK, which was our closest and biggest neighbour, that were still with MPEG-2. And it's like, okay, so do we stick with what our neighbours have? And that'll certainly be the most convenient one for everybody. Or do we go with what the rest of the world have, but will not be compatible with what our neighbours have? So, And I think in the back of their, their head, people were thinking, well, we'll have a different system for receiving RT as we will have for receiving BBC or ITV. Yeah. So like there there comes a, a lot of pragmatic elements uh, mm. as well as the actual technology. 5G is going very interesting in that uh, people are using 4G and they're getting super fast data speeds at the moment. So people are generally pretty happy with it. So on the surface of it, there isn't a lot of demand for the next generation of mobile networks. Now, of course, we would have said that when 3G was becoming the norm as well. But uh, 5G is a network infrastructure that all going well, we won't, we probably won't notice it. 
Um, the whole point of 5G is that it will be uh, a common standard uh, across the world, which is nice. Uh, in particular, uh, the EU announced that it is working with Brazil together on uh, developing 5G. And the whole point of it is not to necessarily facilitate faster data transfer, but to manage the load on telecommunications networks that are going to be put on it by connected devices related to the Internet of Things. So say you have a, a climate or a Nest or something like that um, and it's running off uh, a 3G network or it's running off your Wi-Fi or something like that. Uh, there could come a time when that device, if you can't access it, uh, it's useless to you. You know, there, there's no point. If you want to turn off your, your climate remotely, but you can't actually get into it, um, you know, it's it's a brick. It's a, it's just a, a very nice looking thermostat. So the whole point of a 5G network is you will get all these Internet of Things devices onto it. So, you know, it needn't impact on how you consume data personally, but it could manage how all your devices ah, manage data. So it's essentially 5G will actually be a little bit Wi-Fi, a little bit Ethernet, a little bit um, uh, 4G. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with, with its primary function being to manage all these connected devices. So yourself and myself are sitting down uh, on our 4G phones looking at videos on YouTube. Fine, dandy. Um, if, however... We've got a, a fridge talking to a washing machine, talking to a thermostat, which isn't, you know, sounds pretty outlandish now, but in a couple of years, who knows, um, that infrastructure will be there and could well be separate. Or we could all be doing the, the same thing on the one network. Uh, but this is the this is the forward thinking, not just that, you know, data speeds are going to get faster. It's that, you know, by 2020, it is expected there will be 26 billion connected devices in the world. This is the challenge. How do you manage communication between people and devices and devices and devices? And, so, and uh, we could have it all by 2020. And to is, think that really I, quick. To think that I was sitting back expecting to have a nice chat about mobile phones and Barcelona, and what we got was three very serious glimpses into the future. <laughs> it's absolutely stunning. And uh, Nal Kitson, thank you so much for keeping us up to date with what was going on at Mobile World Congress. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. One of the benefits of the internet is that you don't have to take a shot in the dark when you're making a purchase or going on holiday or going out for a meal anymore because for anything you want to do, there's a website out there reviewing it. Now, that philosophy is extending all the way to the jobs market, where one website is letting employees rate the companies that they have worked for. Glassdoor set up its first office in Dublin recently and has plans to expand its, expand its presence significantly over the coming year. And their head of staffing and research is on the line now to tell us more about it. Dermot Russell, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Firstly, tell us about Glassdoor. What's different about Glassdoor as a recruitment website? Well, Glassdoor is different in as much as we aim to give people all the information they need to find a job in a company they love. Um, so as well as having all the jobs, which is something that most websites have nowadays, we also provide information from people who've worked at the company um, about what it's really like to work there, about the interview process and about information like salaries and benefits. So from a, a candidate's perspective, uh, how does this work? Um, so from a company's perspective, um, any company can be rated on Glassdoor. Um, so we actually have um, a lot of companies, about 450,000 companies from around the world um, rated on Glassdoor. Mm. Um, employers from the employees from those companies come on, they rate the company, they say what they think about what it's like to work there. And then when people are researching the job, 
uh, they can come online and see uh, you know, what they think about the company. So tell me, is this kind of because usually when you get this kind of public review process and particularly with something brand new, people love to just use it as a way of sticking a knife into somebody if they've had a, a an unpleasant experience and stuff like that, or if they got fired and they want to put up a bad review of a company. What kind of reviews of companies have you seen uh, with other national sites that you have around the world? Well, actually, it's interesting you should say that, Dusty, because what we see is actually about two thirds of all the reviews left for a company are neutral or positive. Um, in general, most people have a positive experience when they work for a company, and that's reflected on the site. So the average rating of a company on Glassdoor, we use a five-point scale, and the average rating is about a 3.2. Um, and so, you know, by and large, the uh, feedback is very constructive. So what do you do then for people who are leaving the reviews? Are these, like, completely anonymous? Is it done under a username? Do you have to log in via Facebook? How does that work? So for me... Um, from the point of view of the community, so when you're coming to Glassdoor and you're looking at the information, it's totally anonymous. However, um, we do ask people to register with the site and to leave their details when they leave the review uh, so that we have information on them and they have to verify that they're a former employee of the company or a current employee, of course. Mm. I'm a really big fan of uh, reviews because uh, I, I was actually just talking to somebody who ran a restaurant recently and they said, oh, we just got a bad review. And I said, don't worry about it because, you know, kind of any any company or any product that only gets good reviews, I'm immediately suspicious of. <laughs> I says, whereas when you get a mix uh, that 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 actually is quite good. And then on some of the, the the more negative reviews, there's quite often a response from you know the restaurant or in this case the company. Are companies able to do that with Glassdoor as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, any company can sign up for a free employer account, um, which gives them a number of benefits on the service. It gives them information about how many people are coming to look at their page. It gives them the opportunity to select photos to highlight their company. Mm. And of course, most importantly, it gives them the opportunity to respond to reviews. Um, and that's a really important thing as well, because our users have told us that they view um, companies that respond to reviews, even if they're negative, much more favorably because it shows that the employer is engaged. Mm. It shows that they care about the culture that they're trying to build and they're actively doing something about it. Absolutely. Now, you guys have just opened up uh, an office in Dublin. Tell me about uh, the how and the why of that. Yeah, absolutely. So we were looking for um, a headquarters for our international uh, sites um, focused on Europe. Um, we're in um, a number of countries across Europe now, um, and we were looking for somewhere to base our expansion. Um, we started off in London, and we were looking at you know, where to go next. And we were really drawn to Dublin because of the uh, kind of deep pool of talent that's been developed there. Um, you've got excellent people who've come to Dublin from across Europe to work for technology companies. And so we wanted to basically tap into that talent market and find people who could work with us both on developing our UK and Irish business, but also ultimately developing our businesses in France and Germany as well. So what about what kind of companies are advertising with you? I mean, is it across the board or do you find that it's more kind of mm, tech savvy kind of companies that are at that? Are being reviewed. It's, it's really interesting you should ask that. So we started in the U.S. about eight years ago. And when we started, we really went for a West Coast technology company bias because, you know, that was where the founders were from. And you know, the founders mainly had a background in companies like Expedia and TripAdvisor. And so they knew people who worked for those companies. And so they knew that was a great way to get some initial information onto the website. But as we've grown, 
we cover companies across all sorts of verticals, all sorts of industries, all shapes and sizes. Um, and so, you know, within um, you know, the UK and Ireland, for example, we work with companies like uh, Harrods as one of our clients, for example, uh, as well as like major banks and, um, you know, really all sorts of companies, to be honest. So if somebody wants to uh, leave a review for the company they are working for at the moment or want to look up reviews for companies that they're thinking of working for, the uh, the website is glassdoor.ie, www.glassdoor.ie from the company Dermot Russell. Thanks so much for telling us about it. Thanks a lot, Dusty. Now, that's almost it for uh, this week's show. Uh, Niall is still with us. Niall, our one more thing for this week. What, what do we not get to talk about on the podcast that's on the uh, website at techcentral.ie? Yeah, kind of a seen and heard thing. Uh, for all our regular uh, readers at techcentral.ie, you'll know that we do a viral roundup on a Friday. And uh, I would recommend that everybody watch it this week. Uh, everybody watches it anyway but this week we've got some great clips from Boston Dynamics showing us the next generation of its Atlas robot and it's, it just has to be seen to be believed it's awesome excellent do remember to check that out and keep in touch with Irish Tech News with hourly updates daily newsletters and lots more at techcentral.ie as well as our own little weekly tech radio show here online and every Friday at 6pm broadcast on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra so next week for myself Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central HQ have a great one cheers Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.